Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of the Virtual Vibe podcast, where we discuss HR strategies for a healthy, happy, and connected workforce in a work-from-home world. I'm David Howe. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Bright Breaks and the host of the Virtual Vibe. And today I am very excited to chat with Amanda Payne, the Employee Relations and HR Program Management Lead at the Commonwealth. And the Commonwealth has been voted one of the best workplaces and great places to work in Canada. So welcome, Amanda. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. This is a great opportunity to connect further with Bright. And, you know, we really appreciate everything that Bright has been doing in the space of wellness and just really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you further today. Thank you so much. Well, just to kick things off, Amanda, can you tell us a little bit about the Commonwealth and your role? Sure. Well, the Commonwealth Mutual Insurance Group is based out of Lindsay and Perth, and we actually became the Commonwealth following January 1st, 2014, through an amalgamation of three legacy companies. And as a mutual insurance provider, our insurance policyholders, they're our members. We would refer to them as our members versus our customers. They have a say in you know, how our policy or how our business operates. And we are very focused on giving back to our community. So we always say there's, you know, a win-win here at the Commonwealth. And we have, you know, just under 200 employees. We started servicing pretty much uh, rural farm areas originally, but now we do have policyholders across Ontario. And I think that we as an organization are, you know, very focused on our philanthropy-based efforts, a little bit of, of history for you, David. I always found this really interesting with the Commonwealths that, you know, way back in the day, farmers would always come together and use one well. And that one well served the water for the community and supported many. And so that's right in our name. We are the common well. Everybody wants to call us the Commonwealth, but we are the common well. And so that's a bit of history for you today on, on uh, you know, where our name came from and, and what we're all about. Yeah, very cool story. I didn't know that. And so I know there was some change in the way that the team works kind of, you know, before COVID and, and now. Can you walk through a little bit of the current kind of work environment for, for your team? Yeah. So we, prior to COVID, worked, we always had a flexible work policy and we worked up to two days a week at home. And then, of course, you know, during the time of COVID, we sent everybody home and we shifted really easily into a remote work environment. And actually, our employee engagement results were strong during that period. Our productivity was high. So I would say that we are now a remote work first environment Our offices are open. We support individuals working in the ways that work best for them. And for the majority of our employees, that is remote work. So you will see that, you know, most employees work from home 100% of the time at this point. Yeah. And so I know that you're still actively hiring some positions. So there's some studies that have came out around a lot of companies have who went remote are now kind of dialing things back to more of the office. Are you seeing that as a competitive advantage in recruiting new talent? We are. So we have greatly increased our candidate pools. When we had the offices open, because we are based out of Lindsay and Perth, we're, you know, a bit out of the city, very rural. And our recruitment pools just, you know, weren't as large, even as some of the areas in the greater Toronto area. And now that we are remote, we're hiring individuals from other provinces. So we are really able to access a strong pool of candidates And it has changed the way that we work, but I would say for the better. 
Yeah. And I mean, we, we've seen that at our company too, is a, you're increasing obviously the, the pool of talent in terms of their location. And, you know, we recently brought on a new, a new software developer in, in our, on our team. And one of the core reasons he chose us was the remote first environment and left a company that kind of had that during COVID, but then dialed it back. So definitely, I think a competitive advantage in terms of new talent. So the Commonwealth has built from my view, a, a pretty strong culture of wellness and can you walk through why that is important to the company and to your role as well? Yeah. When I first started at the Commonwealth, I've been with the organization now for almost five years. I heard the same thing over and over again from our leaders and continue to hear it today. And what I hear is that there's things that you do because they're the right things for the business, right? And then there's things that you do because it's just the right thing to do. And it's the right thing to do for your people And I think that is why it's so important for the organization. We do very much work in a way that promotes and rewards high performance. And so, of course, wellness is a big factor of that. It promotes employees being able to work efficiently and effectively. And, you know, when people are maintaining healthy work practices, they're more likely to work in a way that supports that environment of high performance. But at the end of the day, it's just the right thing to do for people. You know, work consumes so much of our daily life and you want to be working in a way that is healthy and that supports you. Yeah. And I think from my conversations, a lot of companies actually struggle with that on the opposite side where leadership isn't bought into the wellness side of things. So I'm curious, was that always the case at the Commonwealth? Was it something that, you know, evolved over time and is that just coming from the personal values of leadership? Is it something else? Yeah, you know, I would say if you ask people why they like to work at the Commonwealth and what's strong about our organization, you will often hear that our size plays a big factor into that. And what I mean by that is that we're able to really delve into new areas and and change and be a leader in some ways and be competitive But our size also keeps us in a nice area where we have these strong personal relationships, you know, where the CEO will reach out to you and be like, hey, how's it going? Let's have a coffee chat. And I think that that helps in the area of wellness, that people see that leadership cares, that they're taking the time to connect with you. And in that way, I think that is very beneficial to our area of wellness. We also have a number of individuals who just intrinsically in the organization are focused on wellness and are, you know, what I would call leaders without a title. They are driving forward wellness-based initiatives because it's important to them and um, it's important for their, you know, colleagues to be healthy and then others jump on board. You know, they very much act as change agents in the organization. So, between those that are change agents and between the leadership team being accessible and just coming from a place that genuinely cares about people, I think that really supports our you know culture of wellness internally. Yeah, that's great advice. So for those maybe listening, you know, sharing some advice to leaders is is just really showing that you care and getting involved in in the lives of of employees that can go a long way and and helping create a culture of wellness and and kind of leading by example. I think is maybe one great way to say it. Where the Commonwealth is remote first, but has has the office option as well, how do you think about wellness for those two different groups of folks? So if, if people are going in the office or if, you know, or there's a group that are working from home predominantly, 
Is there a difference in how you approach wellness or is it the same for both of those groups? Yeah, it's the exact same way for both. And I think that's where our flexible work policy is well supported in that sense too. Like you work in the way that works best for you and that experience is going to be the same from a wellness perspective. We've just become so apt to working remotely that if we didn't approach wellness the same way for each group, inevitably, you know, people would miss out. Some of our teams are in the office all the time because that's, you know, what, or I should say some of our employees, because that's what they want to do. That's where they want to work. And some of our employees are at home all the time because that's how they want to work. So, you know, regardless of of where somebody works, it's important that they're able to engage in wellness. And, and for that reason, anything that we offer can be supported and received the exact same way, whether you're working in the office or not, including bright breaks, right? You can be taking a seven minute break right at your cubicle, or you can do it in your home office with your dog sitting next to you, right? I've taken them with my kids before, you know, midday during the summer when you're trying to, you know, keep them happy and engaged in in the day. It's like, okay, everybody, come on, let's hop up and do rock and box for seven minutes. And we're all laughing and it's a lot of fun. Love it. Yeah. Appreciate the shout out. And and for those just in full transparency, the Commonwealth is a is a customer of Bright Breaks and has a lot of success with us. And Amanda is the champion at, at Bright Breaks. So appreciate that. Okay. That's all really interesting. And I think tactically, some people love to really dig into the tactics. So what are some of those initiatives, wellness initiatives that that you're running and have had some success with? So we have quite a few different initiatives. And whenever we launch something, we try to make sure that we're incorporating a number of different aspects of wellness. Um, sometimes it's it's easier, honestly, to include physical or mental wellness than it is to include financial wellness, right? Like sometimes some of those programs, it's hard to find the right thing that's going to fit the team. So we just try to make sure that we're being versatile in what we're offering and, and that we have areas that, you know, touch on each aspect of wellness. So I would say, you know, one of the first adoptions for wellness programs that we had would be our corporate wellness program. And that's a policy that we have internally where individuals can uh, utilize funds that are available to them and submit receipts for things like fitness equipment or gym memberships, but also will and estate planning. And there's, you know, a number of different categories under that policy and, and they can submit a receipt to receive reimbursement for that each year. And then one of the other initiatives that is more legacy to our company is a flexible benefit program. And we tried to keep our benefits really flexible because everybody is at a different stage in their life. So we have some individuals who choose what we call the gold plan, and they have more benefit coverage than others. And we, you know, full transparency, we have some, and, and I'm one of them that chooses the bronze plan, right? You know, my two kids, they're not into like the orthodontic appointments yet. So I have some excess credits because my benefits aren't as robust, but it that serves my needs right now. And I take the excess credits, which, you know, comes in the form of reimbursement financially. And I use that every year to pay for my kids' hockey registration. And you can use it. Um, I've purchased a stand-up paddleboard through that before. So it's whatever, you know, keeps you and your family healthy and meet your needs. So I would say those are our two more legacy program offerings. And then within the last couple of years, we've really amped up the communication and training and support that we have around mental health and 
you know, making sure that we're speaking more of our family and employee assistance program. We've had the Canadian Mental Health Association come in a few times and deliver webinars to our teams. We uh, work with a wellness provider also based out of Toronto that offers things like cooking classes and different webinars. Of course, we have been utilizing Bright Breaks and we've actually like adopted the method of Bright Breaks internally in our organization to having like what we call now Express Connects and more like seven minutes. Like it seems to work that seven minute time frame, right? So now if we need quick touch points internally, we're like, well, we're going to take that from Bright Breaks and, and use the seven minutes because it just works. We also have been working in partnership with Lean In. We've offered some allyship training through them, and they have a program called Lean and Circles, which we launched, and that is really formed around women connecting with other women in the organization. It's part of our employee resource group for women, and it is typically around 8 to 12 women connecting around like-based topics. So we have like a Lean and Circle for leadership. We have one for new women to the organization, but we also have one for wellness, And that attracts those that are really keen on, you know, speaking about their wellness journey and connecting over that shared interest. So that has been new to our organization this year. And again, is led by one of our internal wellness change champions. Awesome. And it does sound like from, you know, some of the chats we had before the enduring as well, like supporting leaders sounds core to your strategy. And I'd mentioned earlier that before we, we started recording that there was a study from Gallup that talked about employee burnout. And one of the reasons for, or the main causes for burnout is kind of lack of manager support. So is that something conscious that you're doing to really invest into managers? You know, I know you mentioned there's some training, but is that something that you do think about in, in equipping them to be kind of the leaders and the examples within the organization? Yeah, you know, and I I think part of it is training and communication, but also just even pre-communicating with your leadership team, you know, about what offerings are coming down the pipeline, what's the participation rate, here's some ideas around how you could champion that as your team, like maybe you do a bright break as uh, one of your huddles, like to kick off, you know, your team meeting you may want to start with like a seven minute meditation or a gratitude session. And then even just making sure that leadership also has the time to participate in, in those breaks and participate in events and knows what's happening is important. I think, you know, leaders can very easily get bogged down in the day-to-day work. And it's really important just to take that time where you might not have that water cooler talk anymore in the you know, remote world. So it's just about taking the time to make sure and being purposeful in the way that you communicate with your leadership team that here's what's happening from a wellness perspective. Here's what our participation rates are. Anything you can get involved with or champion with your team is great, right? And and making sure that that leaders are accountable to that and that they have the tools and the communication at their disposal. And then, you know, a big part of that is just re-communicating more often than you think you need to because the day goes by quick and there's a lot on on your plate. And so just re-communicating over and over again is, is so key. Yeah, that's really well said. I mean, managers have their own workloads, right? And that can be overwhelming. So it sounds like some combination of a lot of communication transparency around sharing data and things that are working, making it visible. And one, I think trend wasn't necessarily said, but I think I'm hearing it is there is a lot of trust with the team because if you are working at home fully, 
and giving that flexibility, you know, one important pillar of that to me is, is trust in the team. So I'm kind of seeing some interesting trends there, I think that are working well for the team. And on the note of like sharing, hey, here's what's working or here's, you know, with managers, with the team, how do you think about measuring some of the programs or initiatives that you do and how, if they're effective or not? Yeah, I think there's, you know, a lot of different ideas around how you can measure wellness. But if you go back to like the key component, which is just that it's the right thing to do for people. And of course, it's important for the business, but you just go back to that really key piece. It's important for people. The biggest thing that we measure is just our people using the tools. Is there good uptake? And is there versatility in who's using what tools, right? Like somebody's going to, one person might gravitate to bright breaks. One person might gravitate to flexible benefits and either or are great as long as there's enough versatility that it meets the needs of your employee groups. The other thing that we measure, quite frankly, is is the lift on the HR team. We're a pretty competitive bunch. And so I find when we're looking to have employees engage more with wellness in the organization, one of the things that we'll lean on is like an internal challenge, right? We know we're competitive. It's kind of like our internal joke right now. We, you know, we have hosted things like bingo events and they get kind of dangerous. (laughs) People just get really into it. But sometimes doing those internal challenges is a lot of lift from HR. And so you want to make sure that people are enjoying it, that people are engaging in it. And one point in time, the reason, you know, we made the shift over to Bright Breaks is because those internal challenges were easier to manage through the platform. There was less lift on our HR team to offer the things that we wanted to do. And there's a lot going on throughout the year. So anything that that keeps your wellness versatile, that keeps people engaged in it, and that is easy to deliver is good in our world. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that the HR team is managing. So if, if something does take a lot of effort, that can be a barrier to actually rolling it out and making it successful. And I think you nailed it on the versatility note. Like everyone is obviously going to be very different in terms of how they approach wellness and specifically wellness during the workday. And we've seen anyway with our the customers we work with is that some of the most successful customers are those that have a versatile offering because one product isn't going to solve 100% of your needs. So having kind of a bucket of things like the Commonwealth does, I think goes a long way. You know, two, I don't know if we call these values or just methodologies, but two things that stood out to me on your career page. First is egoless leadership. So I'm curious to hear what that means to the Commonwealth. And then the second, this was kind of tied into vacation and time, but it was do it your way days. Could you break down those two kind of principles for us, what they mean? Yeah, of course. So Egoless leadership, when we were developing our website and our employee value proposition, we went out to the team and we said, tell us what it's like to be at the Commonwealth uh, or, you know, we call ourselves the crew, right? The Commonwealth crew. So tell us what it's like to be part of the crew. And one of the things that our employees kept coming back and saying was that we have leaders that care. They've got your back. They're easily accessible. We have a very strong love internally for our CEO, Tim. Sorry, Tim, I'm absolutely calling you out here, but well-deserved. I remember when I first joined the organization, I had Tim come in and introduce himself. And I came from a very small organization into the Commonwealth, and I you know, felt a little overwhelmed, like the size was big. And so to have the CEO come and 
and introduce himself and then say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to book a coffee chat. I'm interested to hear how your experience has been. And then follow up with me a year later to say, okay, you're a year in. One, did you actually keep track of that? And two, and you want to know how my experience has been and what we can do better. I just think that really showcases that level of egoless leadership, right? That you're asking for feedback, you're actually doing something with it, and you're making the time for employees, again, because it's just, it's the right thing to do, right? To get to know who's in your business. And I can even speak for the leaders that I report to that there's a level of natural caring that is brought to the table, that we're all crossing the finish line together. We all have goals and productivity that we need to meet. And, you know, at times things get, you know, tight, like any team does, like, okay, we got to hustle and get this done. And or we're going to solve this challenge together. But always at the end of the day, there is this just caring nature. So that probably feeds really well into your next ask there around do it your way days. Prior to COVID, we had personal days. And during the height of COVID, we increased those because it was important to do that from a wellness perspective. And then as COVID uh, restrictions started to ease, we looked at those and went, okay, we're going to keep the days like extended. We're going to offer more of them. And we want to broaden it out. I think what happens sometimes with personal days is that they're a little misunderstood. People aren't sure how to take them, what to say, what they're for. And do it your way days was our time to sort of rebrand the personal day and say, you do it your way. That's what it is for. You take them the way you need to take them. We don't need to know about it. You don't need to share it. It's up to you. It's your day. And so it was really just our opportunity to to put a spin and just try to communicate like you do you. This is your time. And really encourage people to take them. I think that's so important, right? Yeah, definitely. And if I'm going to guess, my guess is actually people end up probably sharing some of the things that they do on those days. Is that a fair guess? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have employee resource groups who have come out to say, hey, we do our days to celebrate this diverse holiday. Some saying I had to uh, take a do it your way day because I just felt overwhelmed in this time where I needed to focus on my health. You do you. It's whatever works for you. And, you know, you better make sure that you take them, right? Because sometimes, you know, I think it's one thing sometimes you hear from companies that maybe they have personal days, but sometimes you get these like, I don't know, bragging rights, like employees saying, oh, I, I've only taken one day in 10 years. Well, like, no, they're yours. You should take them. Right. So um, I think also just communicating the importance of taking them is really key. Yeah. And I'm glad you gave, you gave your CEO, Tim, a shout out. I think that's an important note for other CEOs that might be listening. I think that's a great, there's a great lesson in there is that a lot of this stuff, it does come from the top down in terms of setting the bar and the stage for what wellness means for the team and being an example. And I think that's a really good example, Tim, having face-to-face time with you right away, checking in in the year. I think that goes such a long way. And so for leaders, other CEOs out there, but leaders in general, I think that's a really powerful lesson. This has been awesome. Amanda, I, I really appreciate you, you joining today. And just as a final, a final question, with everything that you lead and do at the Commonwealth or other, what advice or recommendations do you have for HR leaders that are, are looking to get started or improve their their culture of wellness at their organization? 
So I think there's like two key takeaways. And the first would be keep it versatile and keep it easy. Anything that you can do to make sure that there's enough versatility in your wellness programs, that you have more employees that are apt to use it because intrinsically they want to, right? That it's an easier change when those programs are launched because people naturally gravitate to them. That will help your uptake, but you also have to keep it easy, right? Because we can't do all the things. We can't boil the ocean, as they say. You know, it's just about making sure that you're you're being smart in what you're offering and that you can fit it in with what you're doing. So keep it versatile, keep it easy. Is there a, a program that makes it easy for you to launch wellness? Great. Maybe that's something you want to look at. Is there a policy that you could expand to make it a bit more robust that would be easy on your team to manage and better for the team? Great. Take a look at that, right? Is there more flexibility in your benefit plans that you could offer? You know, perfect. Maybe that's something you want to explore. Just uh, two takeaways. Keep it versatile and keep it easy. Love it. Okay. Amazing. Well, thank you for keeping it versatile on this interview. And we're obviously on episode three. So this was really fun and working, working through how it all works. So I appreciate you joining early. It was a great chat. I hope this is helpful to some folks that are listening. Amanda, if folks want to reach out or, you know, maybe find you where, where would the best place be to find you? Probably on LinkedIn is great. I'm active on LinkedIn. So if you want to search Amanda Payne and the Commonwealth, you'll find me on there and would love to connect. Okay. Amazing. Well, thank you, Amanda. Thanks everyone for listening today. Stay tuned for another episode of The Virtual Vibe next week. And Amanda, it was awesome. Have an awesome day and we'll chat again soon. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, David.